a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. The reason is because you don't have the sacraments. See? Yeah. I mean, once you don't have the sacraments, then basically everybody's a pastor. Because that's what a pastor is, a guy that's there to preach the gospel and minister the sacraments. Once the sacraments cease to mean anything in your theological construct, then ministry becomes something different than the giving out of God's gift of forgiveness. The reason why we go to church is not to hear about how we have to go out and, and be missionalists. The reason we go to church is to get the forgiveness of our sins. That's why Jesus instituted the church. And I think that's the point. See, when a pastor considers this option of, hmm, maybe I'll substitute these parts of the liturgy, the, the question before him should not be, will it win more people over? The question before them should be, would this deliver Christ in a better way than it already does? And the parts of the liturgy are direct quotes from Holy Scripture. And I don't think that you can improve upon the delivery of Christ uh, from them. I mean, just imagine the next radical that shall be even more radical. This will be the book that I'm going to write. Even more uh, radical. What part of cutting off your hand is unclear in the Bible? <laughs> if you still have two hands, you show yourself to be a false disciple of Jesus. <laughs> You know how sometimes you wake up in the morning and you're just dreading sometimes, the yeah. tasks of the day? <laughs> well, this is Table I thought you were Talk talking Radio. about how sometimes you, deci- you decide to wake up. <laughs> oh, maybe I'll wake up today. Maybe not. I'm a pastor. <laughs> you know, this, today's, today's edition of Table Talk Radio is just going to be slightly above normal mediocrity, I think. All right, yeah, why? Because we're at first, um, after doing buzzwords and emails, we're doing a bumper sticker and church sign theology, which I think is quickly becoming our listeners' favorite game, just judging by the response. We do get a lot of feedback. Yeah. There are a lot of bumper watchers out there. Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing the the praise song cruncher kind of decline and the uh, bumper sticker and church sign theology reach its peak. (laughs) You know what is also very popular? You don't even know about this. What's trending? (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, yeah? Is uh, Facebook theology. Our Facebook page is crazy. We don't even we got, play that. Know how many members? It's, it's really popular. Weird. Weird. <laughs> then the I next... think we have like twenty or 30,000 members on our Facebook page. Hold on, I'll what? check. Yeah, won't you validate that check. number while you, t- you know, tell the rest of the show here. Ten Commandments in the News is the game we'll be playing after that. And Ooh. then there's this brand new game. Who who invented this game? Is it that guy over at... Uh... Joshua Shear. Oh, yeah. Uh, of uh, Brothers of John the Steadfast fame. Yeah. Invented this game a couple years ago, then reminded me of it just yesterday. And that is Inventicult. Oh, nice. Or is that what a create a cult? Create, create a cult. cult. Oh, yeah, the C's. Yeah, that helps. We get all the letters the same. Don't worry. You'll you'll so, learn that as a pastor. Get get letters 1, the same. 1,127 members. Say that in again? Our thing. 1,127 members in our Table Talk Radio Facebook We have page. over a millennium of uh, <laughs> we do. followers or whatever you call them. Wow. That's right. So for each listener of the radio show, we have... <laughs> Ten no, a hundred and seven <laughs> Facebook fans. That's amazing. Everyone is on there. They're like, "What is this page? Table Talk Radio? I've never heard of it." <laughs> is, is this where? Anywho, is this where we go to complain? 
<laughs> it's like one of those those online confessions things where it's like, oh, I just got to complain and I need a sounding board at the end of my long day. Oh, this this will do. Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, uh, let's go to some buzzwords. Um, Pastor Wolfman, what's your buzzword? My buzzword for you is stoicism. Okay. Now, what's the problem? Is that yours for me? No. Why are you laughing? Go ahead. That's not supposed to move you. <laughs> oh, boy. I have an article that's here that's 40 pages long describing stoicism sent to me by the almost reverend Brian Flammy, to which I said, I'm totally against this article for two reasons. One is I don't read anything longer than 10 pages. And the other reason I forgot. So I've had to go to Wikipedia now for a definition. So stoicism here from Wikipedia is a school of Hellenistic philosophy found in Athens by Zeno of Citium. I, by the way, when I was in Athens, the city of Athens, we were walking down the street and there was a hole in the ground between like, 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 like a, there was like a restaurant on one side and like a garage sale store like a thrift store on the other side, and in the middle was this hole with a fence around it, and it said, uh, here is the recently discovered porch upon which Stoicism was invented. Can you believe that? Hmm. Because Stoicism, Stoic, 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 or whatever, just means porch. Anyway, I'm sure that's coming. Uh, Zeno lived in the early 3rd century. The Stoics taught that destructive emotions resulted from errors in judgment and that a sage or person of moral and intellectual perfection would not suffer such emotions. Stoics were condemned, concerned with the active relationship between cosmic determinism and human freedom and the belief that it is virtuous to maintain a will that is in accord with nature. So they got some Buddhist stuff. They got some Muslim stuff. That's the Muslim part right there. Because of this, the Stoics pres uh, presented their philosophy as a way of life, and they thought, let me see here. Oh, yeah. They thought that the best indication of an individual's philosophy was not what a person said, but how they behaved. Later Stoics, such as Seneca, who had to murder himself, and uh, Epi Epitletus, that's not how to say that, Epitetus, emphasized that because virtue is sufficient for happiness, a sage was immune to misfortune. This belief is similar to the meaning of the phrase stoic calm, though the phrase does not include the radical ethical stoic views that only a sage can be considered truly free and that all moral corruptions are equally vicious. Okay. All right. Now, there is a, old, there's a rumor uh, that Seneca, the stoic, and St. Paul exchanged letters. Seneca would have been in Athens about the time of about the time of Paul, and there's this, uh, the inter so there's some interesting overlap in uh, Paul's anti-Stoic theology and Stoicism, uh, but we'll have to get into that in another, in another date, mainly after I figure out what that is. When you say rumor, does that mean there's no evidence for that? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. My theological buzz phrase for you uh, might uh, correspond with our conversation off-air, Pastor Wolf, there, and that is natural theology, and I'm just going to read what the Theopedia uh, article says. Uh, natural theology is a branch of philosophy and theology which attempts to either prove God's existence, define God's attributes, or derive correct doctrine based solely from human reason and or observations of the natural world. This endeavor is distinct from other theological methods in that it excludes the assistance of special revelation. Thomas Aquinas is the most famous classical proponent of natural theology. 
Others throughout church history have rejected natural theology. Most in the Calvinist and Reformed tradition reject natural theology as having no foundational validity because the doctrine of sola scriptura leaves no source apart from the scripture from which to derive an accurate understanding of God, man, morality, justice, etc. Furthermore, it is rejected on the basis that mankind is so bound by sin that they can know nothing of God except that which is revealed to them. Neo-Orthodox theologian Karl Barth, one of the most influential Protestant theologians of the 20th century, sought to demonstrate that God can only be known through special revelation. Both he and Paul Tillich debated over this issue, Tillich arguing that revelation uh, never runs counter to reason. Supporters of natural theology, just as Paul Tillich and Aquinas, among others, have argued that the existence of God can be known through reason. Many proofs for the existence of God have been created. However, theologians have often rejected these proofs on the basis they do not end up with the Christian God of the Bible. Okay, what do you think about all that, Pastor Wolf? About natural theology? I just happen to be 10 pages in to this book called Thomas Aquinas in 50 Pages. Do you know about that? Wow, you're fifth of the way there. Well, I stop at 10 pages. <laughs> That's as far as I'm going to get. So oh, okay. I, if, you, if you guys are writing a book, look, cram all the stuff into the first 10 pages. That's where I stop. I'm like, that's true. The one book I have of your, yours is pretty thin. That, yeah, that, that's that, right. That funeral book. That's, <laughs> and, and that's really not just one book. It's like seven books just published under one, seven 10-page books. Now, uh, the, the, this is a very interesting thing because the, kind of the principle of Roman Catholicism is this that grace perfects nature. And so you have this continuity between nature and grace. You know, this goes back to Thomas. Apparently, since I know all about it now, apparently there was some... uh, 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 Who's the guy? The Greek theologian starts with an A. I mean, philosopher. Oh, for heaven's sakes. Talked about friendship. He was a son. He was a a Plato student. Aristotle. That's the guy. Apparently, Aristotle was kind of rediscovered uh, in the early Middle Ages, and then all these people in the church jumped over to Aristotle and became heretics. And then the church was condemning them and say, hey, he doesn't have anything to do with this. Well, Thomas comes along, throws himself into the middle of it, and says, no, no, we can learn from Aristotle. He can be corrected. And so he has this idea of natural theology. Now, what do we say? We say that there is a natural revelation, but it's not properly called theology. I mean, you can know something about God, remember, that namely that he's big and good and mad. Uh-huh. <laughs> and those three things are related to one another. Uh, but you can't know anything else. You can't know anything more about that. So all the elements of theology proper, uh, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that Christ is incarnate in two natures, uh, that, that, um, uh, that Jesus is coming again, all of these things you cannot know except that the Holy Spirit would reveal it to us through the Scriptures. Well, and concerning where the article accused it of, of being counter sola scriptura, I think what's helpful is that a uh, conversation we had many, I mean, probably years ago now with um, Pastor Parks, where he says that sola scriptura is not just that the scriptures are the only authority, but the only infallible authority. So right. when we relate this then back to, well, like it said, that um, the objection is that um, uh, uh we cannot know anything about God, man, or morality or justice. That we actually can, from natural, uh, the- natural theology, which, as you said, isn't theology, know something of morality, though not infallibly. So right. I could, I can look at um, the, fi- <laughs> the uh, how a male and a female fit together and, and conclude, well, maybe homosexual marriage isn't right. <laughs> well, That's maybe right. take a break and be right back. <laughs> 
Naval Talk Radio. For those who have tried everything else to get a good night's sleep. Sticker on the back of my truck. There ain't another like it cause I had it made up. I can tell who's behind me. They give themselves away. Lay on their horn when they read this phrase. Honk if you honk, it's on. Don't if you don't, but if you do, don't you love to honk if you honk, it's on. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We are going to be playing. Bumper sticker theology and church sign theology, but we need to go to the email first. So, oh uh, yeah, Pastor Wolfman, do you have an email for us? I'm sure I do. I'm There's sure one. You do. Now, th- uh, let's see. This is the ortho- uh, you wanted to read the one about Madagascar. Is that well, right? Uh, yeah, we had an ingenious okay. fundraising campaign idea. Dear Aces of Orthodoxy, that's this is the that, one? Yeah, yeah. Since I listen to your show regularly on Pirate Christian Radio, you may want to ignore the obvious brain damage I've sustained. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what is our email cruncher? You're supposed to make fun of us and not yourself. Oh. This is from Jan in Clarksville, Tennessee. Uh, all these international listeners. <laughs> you were talking recently about adding televangelist-inspired items available, I assume through seed offerings, to listeners interested in helping with the Madagascar trip. May I make a suggestion? Indeed, Jan, you may. I think you should offer prayer rugs. Yes, prayer rugs. That That is, used to pays from televangelists. You <laughs> to pays? <laughs> there should uh, be an almost endless supply of them. <laughs> Thanks for helping me remember to floss at least once a week, Jan in Clarksville. All I don't right, know what that you. means floss. Yeah, that's our, so we got through Madagascar seed offerings. We're off of prayer rugs for uh, listeners. What do you think about that idea? That might work. We better start uh, calling the televangelist. Hey, can we have your used to pays? Used to pays. We're using that's it as a seed disgusting. offering. <laughs> By the way, I don't think we need any more uh, gifts from Madagascar. Is that right? Didn't we raise three zillion dollars already? Oh, we're just shy of three zillion. We're right at one fifty. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we might need a couple, a uh, few more hundred bucks. If anyone's got any five bucks laying around, then you could send it our way. That'd be great. That's right. I got okay. another email. You want to do another one? Sure. And that is, I'm interested in this. This is from Laura, who writes. I read about these ideas on Facebook. You know, have you heard of Facebook? The first has been, uh, so that, by the way, this is me now, not Laura. Because she read, I just wanted to make the editorial comment that because she read about them on Facebook, they will undoubtedly be very helpful, both for her, her growth as a person and her spiritual maturity. Laura continues, the first has been posted by many of my Lutheran friends, and the second one was posted by a Catholic friend. I see a problem in this, but I would love to hear your take on it. And here are the links talking about reverse Lent. Have you heard about this? No. Okay. Reverse Lent is, uh, this is so here's one. 20 things to give up for Lent is one of these articles. And I'll just uh, read you a little bit of this article here. I want to know what you think about this. Last week we talked about the wrong wrong and right reason to fast for Lent. We're less than a week away from Ash Wednesday. That's a bit old here. Uh, Many Christians give something up for Lent, but it usually has very little impact on their life and walk with Christ. The reason is that we usually give up stuff for all the wrong reasons. With that said, I want to offer 20 things you might consider giving up this Lent, and these are things to give up not just for Lent, but for the rest of your life. Number one, guilt. Number two, fear. Number three, the need to please everyone. 
Number four, envy. Five, impatience, etc. Six, sense of entitlement. Uh, you see how that goes? Mm-hmm. Now, here's another one. This is called the reverse Lent challenge. Uh, last year, I observed Lent backwards, this person writes. It was the best Easter season I ever had. Instead of traditional Christian practice of giving something up for the 40 days leading up to Easter, I took something on instead. <laughs> Each day, I set aside five minutes to write a handwritten note to someone in my life. It might have been a note telling them something I appreciated about them. Perhaps it was a note sharing a treasure, funny memory I had with them. This year, uh, will you celebrate Lent backwards instead of giving something up? Take something on. In a way, you'll still be giving something, uh, give, giving up something, a little chunk of your time each day. Here's five simple not, things to try. Jot a note, grab your phone, lighten a load, help a stranger, serve a servant, uh, listen to Table Talk Radio, it says down here. Anyway... Uh, so so that's reverse Lent. Instead of giving something up, you add something. Now, this all comes from the error in thinking that Lent is about you. <laughs> what are you talking about? Are you, by the way, growing a Lenten beard? No. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> this, is, this is wildly crazy. You can't see that Lenten beard is trending on Twitter. Oh, brother. Oh, this... Uh. <laughs> Anyway, let's get to some let's get some bumper stickers on church saints. You don't want to respond to that though? What I, I thought uh, I just did. Okay, so okay, what okay. people do is um they say, "Hey, it's Lent, so I should go do something because that's what Lent is all about is me doing things." So I'm going to give stuff up. And pretty soon that gets old. It doesn't quite have the the pious kind of fervor that it once had. It's like, "Ah, oh, I do this every year. Nothing special about it. I need to I need to pour some gasoline on this. I need to make it better. And so this is just the latest attempt to try and make Lent better because it's all about me. Instead, what we might want to do is make Lent about Jesus and his suffering and death for us. Typical Fort Wayne guy. (laughs) All right. Bumper stickers of church signs. All right. Church sign. If your life ain't broke, ask God to break it and then let him fix it. That's a long. I can't believe sign. that's on a church site. <laughs> that it's like that. Whoever wrote that church sign totally missed the memo. First of all, there's not a pun at all. Is there? No pun. If you see, I mean, normal a normal church sign would say, "If your life is, uh, if you if you if your life is broke, come in and we'll fix it." Something like that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a normal church sign. You know, like an auto repair shop kind of thing. Broken car, we fix it. Broken life, we mm-hmm, fix it. Mm-hmm. This is the opposite. And then the other thing is, is I'm pretty sure that that the Lord doesn't need to be asked before he crushes us. True. I mean, he's just going to do it. He'll he'll take initiative. Yeah. He, he has that kind of go get him attitude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's very pious, I what know. you just said there. Sorry. But I think you're right. That the church sign brought it out of you. <laughs> that impiety, impious. I know. See what that church sign is doing? That's having the reverse impact. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, now the Lord does a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. That's how David prays in Psalm 51. So the the as opposed to offering the Lord all the great treasured sacrifice of my good works, which is ridiculous. Uh, we do the opposite thing, and that is um, we offer the Lord repentance, which is not an offering at all. It's, uh, in fact, a crushed heart over our own sin. And the Lord then comes 
with the balm of Gilead, Jesus himself, to heal our broken hearts with the forgiveness of sins. So, I mean, the idea of having a broken heart, but it didn't say broken heart, did it? It said, uh, life not broke? Ask God. Is that what it said? Yeah. um, Ask ask God to break it. Yeah, something like that. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. That's Um, a complicated church sign. There is a little bit of theology in there. Yeah, there is. Um, I'm. I'm just. I just pulled out the worldview catalog here on Table Talk Radio, which is which is hidden from our listeners. This is this is like a Calvinist uh, document sharing <laughs> program. Um, let's see, which one would this be? What well, don't the worldviews are? Isn't that worldview catalog for bumper stickers? See, the oh, tr- the church this, signs I guess, don't work. In, oh, sorry. Church signs don't work because normally there's the worldview, which is if only the world knew we were so punny. Oh, that's right. Okay. That's All right. just about let's, every single church sign. Let's go to the next one, then. All right. Hi, I have a bumper sticker to report. I saw this on a Saturn Ion, and the bumper sticker said, Are you following Jesus this close? Thank you. <laughs> All right, thank you. And thanks for reporting the vehicle you, you found it on. That's, yeah, that that's right, important. the context. The context is context, context, context. That's a, I don't okay. know about Saturn now, ions. What kind of? How do you profile someone driving a Saturn ion? I don't know. That's just yeah, nothing. You know, what would be helpful is the year too. Yeah, new that, or old. yeah, that's true. Now, I mean, so I'm I I'm picturing this bumper sticker being really small letters. So you're only reading it if you're really, really riding the guy. You know, it's just like right up the on the bumper. And, uh, and then, then, oh, I, I should be following Jesus as close as I'm following this car. <laughs> it's kind of obnoxious. I mean, no, it's not. Kind of, it is obnoxious. I kind of like obnoxious bumper stickers. Yeah, I was going to say, that's Are right you up, following that's, Jesus? That's right close. up your alley. <laughs> obnoxious bumper stickers? I would, uh, uh, yeah, because people don't like to be tailgated. I don't mind when people tailgate me, by the way, because I just never look backwards. I don't care what's in front behind me. I care what's in front of me when I'm driving. See, I, I don't mean, I'm know. An optimist in the street. So. I've always had like this bad dream where you're sitting at a, a stoplight and you see this car just coming right at you, and there's nothing you can do. You're just sitting there, and you're, you know, he's got a. Ugh. That would be awful. Take it. Yeah, I mean, what do you do? I mean, you can't just gas it and go into the intersection. What are you going to do? You just got to sit there and wait for him to hit you. And then you get out and you're like, what were you doing? And they said, reading your bumper sticker. I was, I was <laughs> following Jesus. I'm a Jesus follower. That close. Yeah. All right, one more. Uh, all right. Hi, this is Carolyn from North Dakota again. Uh, we drove past a UCC church, and it had a church banner that said, God is still speaking on a rainbow background. So, yeah, that's um, interesting. Uh, have oh, a great yeah. day. Bye. I think this is advertising for the new Noah movie that's coming out. <laughs> yeah. It's real concerned about the flood. What do you think about flood. that? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, <laughs> it just it just so happens that the the biblical rainbow came as a promise against God, uh, as a, uh, a following of God's wrath. What uh, Wrath for what, you might ask? Wrath for sin. <laughs> but now we'll take the rainbow to say, hey... It's okay to be gay, and God is still speaking to tell me this. we got to talk some more about this one. All right, we'll be right back after this commercial break. So thank God for your bumper sticker. I was a pagan and I was a sinner. But I said goodbye to my wicked ways. But I saw your bumper sticker yesterday. 
most persevering listeners in radio. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Counts really good. Do you hear how fast he counted? That was impressive. Ten in the news is the game. But first, we need to talk about this last little... Was that a church sign? I think it was. God still speaks. Church sign. It was a church banner. Church banner. God this still speaks phrase, to us today. Oh, man. He, this is amazing. This You hear this all the time from all sorts of craziness. God still speaks. And I think, you know, you hear it from uh, maybe from the Charismatic Church, and you hear it from the Roman Catholic Church. So in the, the Charismatic Church, I mean, God still speaks through tongues and prophets. In the Catholic Church, it means God still speaks through the Pope. Uh, in the in the liberal churches uh, with the rainbows, it means God still <laughs> speaks through society. Uh, the trouble is, all of it is a denying of the sufficiency of the Scriptures, I mean, John wrote, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and believing have life in his name. This is, so the, the, the scriptures come to us as a, as a sufficient word from God. In other words, God in the word says enough, and everyone who says God still speaks denies that. Because if he still speaks, the, me, the reason is because he didn't say enough the first time. And I'm totally against it. So uh, now, did I tell you this story? About when I was in, I was there in Oregon before you were there even, and I was for an LWML thing, and we met the Episcopal bishop. Did I tell you, did I tell you the story? And he was giving oh, yeah. me this God still speaks nonsense. And uh, we were sitting there at dinner, and he came over and was talking to us, and Episcopalian priest and everything. He says, yeah, I, I think God still speaks uh, through culture. And I said, what culture? <laughs> he was talking about the whole of culture, acceptance right? of homosexual marriage sort of thing. And yeah, and I said, uh, you know, over in Africa, the culture is that homosexuality is a sin. How come the Holy Spirit isn't speaking through their culture, only through our Western liberal culture? Uh, and I looked at him, I said, you know, I think you're a racist. <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, what? And like... he wouldn't sat down. Like like a month ago, maybe there was a big thing in the news that um, Uganda or, or somewhere they made a law against homosexuality, and for the American readers, like how could they do that? It's illegal to be homosexual. Well, hey, guess what? That's they're not bombarded in every TV show have a have a gay character to, to try and desensitize us to the idea that. Uh, homosexuality is actually against natural theology. I wish that was my buzzword. <laughs> oh, I have, to, I have, I have used stoicism that. or something. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, so what are we uh, doing now? That, that doesn't count, the by news? the way. Oh, yeah, that's right. You got, I hope you got something. Um, I'm busy updating the Around the Word website. Okay. Well, you do that while you we hear from that? Fox News. this week, we've been conducting an Obamacare checkup, seeing where the law is, less than two weeks until <laughs> full it. implementation. Tonight, we at the patient protections <laughs> promised under Obamacare. Some are working, but others have had some unintended consequences along the way. 
Because of the Affordable Care Act, my daughter, our son, my children, they're covered. Now with the Affordable Care Act, we don't have lifetime limits any longer. My son has a pre-existing health condition. The Affordable Care Act has already achieved some of its biggest goals, as touted in web and TV ads. Parents can now keep their children on their policies up to the age of 26. Insurance companies cannot deny coverage because of pre-existing conditions. And there are no more lifetime limits on coverage. We've seen this over and over. When you give people coverage, release them of worry, then they can start thinking about other things, working their family instead of constantly worrying about how they're going to pay the bills. You've got taxes. Uh, a patient's bill of rights, consumer protections for those who have health insurance through their jobs because of the law. So uh, I'm very proud of this. But one of the biggest and most repeated promises turned out to be impossible to keep. If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. If you like your doctor, you keep seeing your doctor. If you like your doctor, you keep your doctor. If you like your current insurance, you keep that insurance, period. End of story. He said, clearly, you can keep your plan. He said it once. He said it a thousand times. This wasn't a minor pledge. It was central to passing the law. Just days ago, the president conceded the point. But for the average person, many of folk, uh, folks who don't have health insurance initially, um, you know, they're going to have to make some choices. And they might end up having to switch doctors, in part because they're saving money. The problem is the law requires new policies sold in the individual market to cover what it deems essential services. All right, so that's uh, about two minutes of the story. Pastor Wolfen, what do you think about that? <laughs> well, this, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, you, you're wondering about politics here. Let's well, wait, 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 how, wait. We should back wait. this all the way up. Do you think this has anything to do with politics? I thought this is just yeah, about Yeah, this has healthcare. to do something. Yeah, it's just about, it's not about politics. It's not about a website. It's about people in the arms of the angel far away you know i i just so i was just on from here? <laughs> i was just on this website called youtube and um uh yeah. let's see if it's still there yep there's still an ad here for uh healthcare.gov and uh, it says enrollment ends march 31st sign up today then it has you know, pictures, uh, let's see, La Quinta here is 34, James 29, um, Lawrence 29. See, they're having a hard time getting the younger people to sign up. So now this is a, apparently an advertising yeah. campaign. And I want to know, who's paying for these advertisements? Yeah, you are. <laughs> That's <laughs> uh, we, Yeah, we, we need more youths because it's supposed to be... Uh, there, there's got to be a way to make healthcare cooler. You know, I... I, I get information about the healthcare program the church generously provides for us, and I open I open the mail, I open the letter, and I pass out. <laughs> <laughs> it is, I cannot stand that kind of detailed nonsense. <laughs> Any, anywho, so what, te, what we got to ask the question: What commandments does this have to do with? Well, can you hear all those beeps in the background? By the way, our table talk radio page is going berserk. Really. Uh, the first commandment it has to do with is the fourth commandment, and that is government, uh, you know, the establishment of family and government, and in that order, so that the government is there to support the family, not to be the family, by the way. Uh, it also has to do with life being alive, because apparently that's the important thing about health care. 
being alive mm-hmm. until you have a That's nice. panel voting on if you, <laughs> you know, voting on if you can still right. allowed to be alive or not. If it's a four, <laughs> there are no death panels. So that's the fifth commandment, and uh, this also has to do. I think that one of the big things with the uh, with the healthcare mandate was the the, um, the the requirement for reproductive care. That's sixth commandment. I wrote a little article about that for the Missouri Senate uh, Free to Be Faithful campaign about how they're man they're mandating uh, uh, employers have to provide be able to provide birth control. And preventative stuff, you know, even um, they think this is going to include abortions in their health care stuff. Required. Crazy. That's just so ridiculously the opposite of what the government should be doing. Yeah, we want to keep everyone alive unless you're in the womb. And then uh, it has something to do because, as you mentioned, your tax money is paying for these advertisements. Uh, that has to do with the Seventh Commandment. You shall not steal. Um so I think there's some Eight Commandments stuff in here. Probably all of this comes from some covetousness. Look at how nice it is to go to the hospital in Australia. And uh, so that's the Ninth and Tenth Commandments. Um, so I, we covered about all of the whole second table, love your neighbor, <laughs> etc. Now, I, I wonder, I mean, I know this is a fine line because there's certainly nothing wrong with going to the doctor, per se. But it seems like in our culture we've made our own health a uh, our, our god so i mean you, you go i mean this is the 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 the, the thing that that matter this is the the end game this is the, all that matters is whether um uh, we we can have more te- uh, medical advances and uh and I, I can be healed if i get sick that my fallback my uh my fear love and trust is in the doctor my fear love and trust is in the the medical profession to Fix me if something happens. And um, while, while I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going to the doctor or, you know, certainly the medical advances are blessings from God, which we, which we certainly enjoy, I'm simply uh, making the point that we're more prone to trust in it than in years, years past. I mean, think about in Luther's day uh, when he's writing, what is it, Pastor Wolf, when he's writing the uh, small call articles, he thinks he's yes. going to die. Is that right? Yeah. He's yeah. passing a stone and he thinks he's about to die. I mean, imagine, imagine how, how much you would uh, put your trust in the Lord if you, if you didn't have those medical advances. Yeah, so that's I, right. I think there's certainly a first commandment issue here uh, among other things. So Yeah. I'll I'll concede that point. I will. Okay. That's nice. Well, we have about 20 seconds, Pastor. Why don't you tell us about what this next game is all about? Yes. Okay. So we're going to play the pray. We're going to play a game called Create a Cult. And the way that that goes is we're going to open the Bible to a random verse and then try to construct our own religion out of that one verse. <laughs> uh oh man. <laughs> This, this is going to be I'll pick a verse for you, and you pick a verse for me, and then we'll see who comes up with the better cult. <laughs> how, how about that? Okay, that sounds good. Uh, if you want to send us an email, it's questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652. We'll be right back after this. Tonight, we'll do the tank. 
listening to Table Talk Radio. Never imitated, never duplicated. Welcome back to Table Talk yeah. Radio. Create a cult is the game. Create a cult. I got a. I got a. This verse. reminds me of the old article I wrote, which was uh, five, five easy ways to write a church growth book. How to write a church growth book in five easy steps. This is similar. How to start a cult in five easy steps. Okay, so I got it's a, a. It's really the same. I'm going to give you a verse, and you're gonna, you're gonna distort that verse somehow to create a cult. And there's criteria here. Is that? Well, yeah, I mean, we got a, the game I'm sure will develop, you know, because oh, God still I'm speaks. Sure. But uh, so we want to, you know, how believable is your cult? That's the first question. The second question is how distorted do you, how, how do you distort, the, how, po- how much can you possibly distort the text while letting the words still stand there? And then you got to have the three, I mean, any good cult has a, has a moralistic and a mystic and a rationalistic side of things as well. So you want to draw, draw those in to help draw people in. So this is, uh, you know, lessons on how to create a cult. So we'll see how, how I'll, I'll try it, see if I, how good I am at creating a cult. Okay. And then you can try, see whose cult is better. Uh, I have this. Uh, I need a seed offering, though. I mean a seed version. <laughs> Here it is. This is Isaiah chapter 34, verse 1. Draw near, O nations, to hear and listen, O peoples. Let the earth and all it contains hear, and the world and all that springs from it. Yeah. Uh, the, my, the name of my cult is the, um, is the, international, uh, um, the international Church of God-hearing. <laughs> and uh, and our chief belief uh, in this cult is that we uh, ourselves speak directly for God. So we so our sign, uh, our symbol, you know, that we use, our logo, is a huge antenna uh, that reaches all the way to heaven. And uh, and we have we have church on Saturday, of course, and uh, and we gather in and we have satellite. Uh, in fact, we're expanding internationally, but we're our, our home office uh, is in um, Wisconsin somewhere, and uh, and so each week we have a new message uh, for the nations, and in fact we go nation by nation. So we started with a with a uh, a message for America. Uh, and that message was was something like, um, if we didn't repent, and uh, and that repentance was going to be in the form of all the women wearing dresses, and the, the, <laughs> to stop the the uh, incredible sin of women wearing pants, uh, if that if they didn't repent, uh, then God would bring judgment. And so that was our first message. And then our next message was um, uh, was from Mexico. And uh, and the message that, uh, that the what was our thing called the International Voice of God Church, uh, our message from God Church, and our um, and basically the message from God from Mexico was simply that they had to stop overcharging for the beans that they're importing. Mm. Um, that imported beans was that that was usury, and that God would judge uh, would judge the nation of Mexico. Uh, probably next week we're going to get a. Uh, uh, a message from Italy, uh, and it's going to be that they need to tighten the border control between them and the Vatican. So, um, 
so this is how we do it in our cult. And, uh, and people follow by, by they quit going to their church and they come and listen to the message from God. And then they pray all week that the people who the nations to whom we had our message for would be would repent and listen to God like uh, like they did at the time of Jonah in Nineveh. Now, if you want to read that verse again, it's basically spot on. Uh, yeah, I mean, that come on. verse, uh, Isaiah 34, verse 1, Draw near, O nations, to hear, and listen, O peoples. See? Let the, <laughs> Let the earth and all it contains here. How could you go here. wrong? Just doing what the, we're just doing what the Bible says. <laughs> and the world and all that springs from it. I think this is where your uh, cult is flawed. Um, what are you talking about? You talk way, way too much. ILGC. You you talk way too much about repentance. Repentance really has not a, that big of a place in uh, in cults. So uh, I think if you fix that up a little bit better, but uh, as well, a, you, a, it's you can repent of things that aren't really sins. Okay. That's cultish. Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> although when we read the the book of probably Isaiah, uh, this, this church probably already exists. Why don't we just check Wisconsin that's, churches? <laughs> that's the scary thing about this. Um, although when we, when we read Isaiah, we see the the Lord has uh, His judgment not only for His people Israel who rebel and 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 walk away from from the Lord, but for all the nations, so that that all nations are to hear the 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 word of God and uh, and repent and 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 believe in in God. You know, it's 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 counter this idea. That each nation is uh, is entitled to its own god, and so you have the god of the Hebrews, but then you also have the god of um, the Philistines and the uh, whomever else, the god of the of the Canaanites or, or whatever. And each person is is allowed to have their own god, and um, and no one's going to say the other one is wrong. Well, this verse actually says, no, all nations, all peoples are to hear this voice, and. Um, if you read on in, in Isaiah thirty four, it isn't the the best news for those nations that that refuse the voice of God. Um, now, I I think that um, hold on, let me get my phone. Oh, remember when I said, "Is your phone off?" Good grief! No. I I heard I heard that um, <laughs> that that's become a thing on other unnamed radio programs. That when someone's phone right. goes off, they say, "Oh, I just Wolf Mulered or something like that." Isn't isn't that that's is that right. true? They also say that when they hit on a great law gospel point. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> just pull the wolf mule. <laughs> no, I was like, man, that was a real gig line you had right there. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think that we're facing oh. the similar thing today, aren't we? That that we we are under the understanding of this just mass pluralism that you can have your God and that might be you know Christianity, but I'm going to have my God and that might be whatever I choose my God to be, the international, yep. the IMG, International Message from God Center cult, and uh, everything's okay. There's no contradiction there. That, that, mm-hmm. This is actually a text speaking against that very thing. So, all right, I'm going to try this. Give me a Bible verse, Pastor Wolf. All right, you ready? Uh, this is First Peter 5.5, 5. just a random verse here. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. <laughs> That's the material there. <laughs> For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. I'll give it to you again. First Peter 5.5. 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. 
Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So the name of my cult is called the Elders for Youth. (laughs) I get extra points for being a little paradoxical. Elders for Youth. And uh, one of the main tenets of Elders for Youth is uh, is, is that you demand uh, submission. <laughs> so um, there, there's the, the main elder. He's called um, the eldest elder. And uh, under him are 12 other elders. And uh, their job is to go out and, and, and find youth. And, and they have these special robes. And, robes? Uh, robes. Oh. oh. And uh, <laughs> upon your induction <laughs> into the elders for youth... You get to put on this brand new robe, and on the back is humility. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. Clothed I mean, with humility. I mean, right there in the Bible. Now, the, the special... You deny the word of God by not putting on the robe? <laughs> and, and the thing is, once you have this robe on, you're never... I'm, see, now I'm just borrowing from other real cults. You're never allowed to take this off. <laughs> You have to wear this robe on the outside or the inside. Does it have tassels? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. If you can you know, put clothes over this robe, you're welcome to wear it. But you have to have it at all times. You, you, can't, you can't depart from this robe. Now, the reason you want to do this is because this, uh, this robe uh, called humility um, gives you a direct connection from hearing from God on high. Oh, yeah. You see, the, the, the eldest elder discovered this, and then he gave it to his 12 uh, younger elders. <laughs> and, uh, and he found the secret here was to have this, this special robe called humility. And when you have this robe, it's like t- tuning the radio to the right frequency. You are now in line and hearing directly from God. Man, if we could combine our cults in, into a super cult. Ooh, I, I'd be I'd be interested in a cult a cult merger. <laughs> We'd have a uh, you're I'll be the Old Testament part. You have the New Testament <laughs> part, and look, uh, we'll have two proof texts. All right, we only have about a minute left, so you better direct us on the straight and narrow here. Yeah, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble, says Peter, because the the Lord is always again pushing us to repentance for our sinfulness and to receive His kindness in in, in His especially in His preached word. That's what it's talking about in the text. Uh, the the elders here are the elders of the church, really the pastors. And the reason why we submit to them is because they have the office of preaching the Lord's word. And to submit to them then means to hear the preaching of law and gospel, uh, to repent of our sin, and to know that the Lord Jesus forgives us. And that's the order that God has established in the church, uh, the order of, uh, really, of, of hearing his word and believing it, the order of repentance and uh, forgiveness of sins. And that's what uh, Peter is calling us to. Yeah, it's amazing how people can take something like humility and make it a works righteous thing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, humility is the exact opposite. Humility is saying that, uh, look, I I can't do it. I I'm not good enough. I'm not going to fulfill the commandments. And that's when the Lord comes with His grace and mercy and offers us His forgiveness. So, uh, Christianity is better than cults. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio, where the points are like showing up to the International House of Listening to God on Sunday morning. Thanks for listening to this <laughs> Sorry, edition guys, of Table no Talk Radio. There. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. 
Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.